It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Alice, you're sitting down, right? I'm sitting down, yes. I got bad news for you. What's the bad news? You and I, we try to raise our kids to be respectful, to be kind to people, to be to empathize, etc. Uh oh, you're scaring me. Well, um. We, James and I just got back from the grocer's freezer, and mm-hmm. I believe, unfortunately, Alice, that we may be raising a... You horse's tail, get out of here. We Why may be raising is our a, son a horse's tail? He may be a horse's tail. Why is he a horse's tail? Because when we were, went to the grocer's freezer, the gentleman who was bagging had a, a very effeminate way about him. In a very high voice. Um, very much so. Okay. And so, which is fine, you know. And was so, he for sure a gentleman, or he was a gentleman? Yes, yes, okay. he was absolutely a gentleman. And as <laughs> he offered, he wanted to, you know, he asked like with one bag or two and this and that, you know, he was, was excellent at his job. And as we're leaving, James said, "Uh." Oh, that guy talked really funny. So within earshot on the phone. No, 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 oh, no, okay. no, no. Thankfully, but I still said <sighs> no, 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 no. So, uh, and then we got outside and they said, you know, people talk all different ways and all different ways. Mm-hmm. Some people talk funny, some people don't. This and etc. But I worry, Alice. I worry. Joe Biden warned us of this. A lot of you are very successful businessmen and women. If you were at a fancy restaurant in Washington five, six years ago at an important business meeting and a gay or lesbian waiter came up or transgender, spoke with a lisp or demonstrated they were gay or lesbian, 
And someone at that luncheon table said, made fun of that person. No one would have said anything. Not a joke. I want you to literally think about this. Not a literally. joke. Today, if that same thing happened, the other four or five people at the table say, you horse's tail, get out of here. <laughs> really. It is interesting. Uh, so there you go, Alice. It is we're interesting. Gonna... And it happened to me once before when we were eating out with the kids. And I think with my mom at an IHOP and the waiter appeared to be a guy, but his voice sounded like a girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the kids, I don't even think our older kids, but I think our younger kids were very thrown and like kept trying to say something about it. And I was like, shh, Oh, it. no. Like, they kept being like, why does he have a girl's voice? And I was like, we had a, shh, shh, don't say a anything. table full of horses' tails? <laughs> a table full of horses' tails. But it was like extremely noticeable. So I don't know what it was. I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, I I don't know, it, but it's like harder and harder now sometimes to just go around and like, it's I mean kids just notice stuff and they comment on stuff and it's not yeah. even about like gay or straight or anything. Yeah, but I remember being with one of our kids. I don't even remember who when we were in a YMCA changing room and mm-hmm. they commented that they thought a woman there was pregnant who was not pregnant. Oh no! And no, <laughs> I don't think to the person but i was it was like one of those situations where it was like borderline where i wasn't sure if they could hear or not and then i think the kid said i bet she's having twins because oh. <laughs> it was really bad i was like Shh, never say anybody's pregnant never ever never. ever ever right no never never in even somebody pregnant never say it yeah it's never like, say they're pregnant don't comment on their pregnancy right. don't ask to touch their stomach don't yep, just none of, none of the things none of the things correct it's, i also tell people never ask about a dog cuz you know barney passed away and you don't want to get dragged into that don't ask about don't talk to people <laughs> but you know it's funny the the biden cut there mm-hmm. he really was you know he gets a pass on everything but he really was he was wholly offensive. Of course, if somebody he is. acted out in a gay way or was trans and had a lisp, you know, he's he's coming up with this composite of the, this person sashaying, uh, you know, with a pink boa, and that's how we see that. Well, that's that's a gay right there. That's what's happening there. <laughs> oh my god! I told you about my dad. My dad didn't know anything about mm-hmm. gay people, right? Yeah. My dad, a guy worked for, for my dad. My dad worked in Vermont, who was um, who was. Uh, he was gay um and he um he um he was he and my dad was talking about him i said that's a really cool guy he's a really cool guy dad i don't notice too many gay people up here in vermont you know obviously there are plenty of gay people up in vermont but i don't know how he said probably more now than ever yeah yeah, sure well sure but but uh and and he said what do you mean gay Okay, and and he just—it was obvious that he was. And I said, "Were you kidding? You don't know." And he's like, what, you, "No, no. I, I, how do you know?" And I said, "Daddy moved to Vermont with his friend, like Ben, and they open a bed and breakfast. Like nothing jumps out at you, Dad. Nothing jumps out at you about that." <laughs> the, so, wow. No, my goodness. I mean, but maybe he's, he was from Biden's generation, so maybe he it, for him it was the—I don't know what it is. Uh, um, okay, Alice, let's start the show. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I want to give a shout-out to a young lady who I thought was from Winchester, Massachusetts, who now I believe is from Winchester, Connecticut, 
a listener to the Burn Barrel who shouted us out today on my radio show. We got a few of those today. The, the radio wow. show is Burn Barrel Heavy, um, which is good, which means maybe the maybe the sales staff at uh, TIC will want to uh, work something out with us. Maybe not. Who knows? Advertised cast does not, apparently. Uh, I think it might be the IAB certified thing. Yeah. So, okay. so, so we're talking about the shortage of formula. Mm-hmm. happening and Kerry had a brilliant brilliant idea 860-522-9842 that is the number let's go over here to Kerry in Winchester hey Kerry hey Tom how's it going I'm good how you doing good I am a long time burn barreler Oh, um, awesome. I've actually written you and Alice a couple of times and you've read some stuff of, of mine on air but this is the first time I'm calling you um I actually, like, I have an idea, and I don't know if anyone's, like, thought about this, but why isn't the government using the Defense Production Act? I, didn't they use that when it came to doing the vaccines? Like, this is kind of important if babies are going to be starving. I actually was um, helping my sister-in-law over the weekend, and I went to, like, four different stores, and there's literally nothing. I mean, it's ridiculous. Carrie? Yeah. That is a brilliant, genius idea. That is, it is so brilliant that I'm stealing that from you. Oh! It is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm radio famous now. Amazing. You are wonderful. What a great idea that is. And actually, it would be an incredible win for the Biden administration if they could get it together to do that. Which right. tells you they're not going to. Party lines, helping the babies. Like, who wouldn't like that? Helping the babies, absolutely. It's not political. This is a humanitarian thing that, that's very tangible for everybody. You've noticed that formula is missing. We've gotten calls that notice that there's not any formula. There's moms in every town here that I, the babies are running out of food. It's, if that's not a rallying cry, I don't know what is. I know. It's, it's actually pretty sick. Like, I don't know what's going on and why it is, like... How it's taken so long to become newsworthy? Like, what's more newsworthy than that? No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Oh my goodness, what do I? What do we do with this brilliant idea of yours? It's Carrie. What a great, great thought. I don't know. Let's get Joe on the horn right now. Absolutely, let's get Joe on the horn. As a matter of fact, I may, I may reach out to our delegation, the senators Blumenthal and Murphy, and see actually what they think about this. Might be very Excellent. interesting. Carrie. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Say hi to us again. I'll mention you on the Burn Barrel uh, tonight, the Burn Barrel podcast. Thank you so much. Awesome. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thank you so much. That is Carrie in Winchester with the idea of the year using the Defense Production Act. I am going to go back and record that call and play it on my podcast tonight as well. It is awesome. You guys are so smart. Carrie. It is awesome. We did the Defense Production yep. Act to save the olds from COVID mm-hmm. and the fats from COVID, but right. now you can't save babies because is this not an emergency? This- Thanks to your idiotic handling of the economy and the FDA's idiotic handling of formula recalls and mm-hmm. everything else, all these pieces are coming together and making sure that babies have nothing to eat. This is why, this is what you do. If you're Biden right now, you say to Ron Klain, we're doing this, Ron, right now. You make all the phone calls and you get all your deputies to make all the phone calls to everybody they need to to make this happen. Whatever you need to do, because we're do- it's too good an idea not to happen. Even if it's impossible to make it happen, make it happen. And then you get Jen Psaki and you say, Jen, 
make a full campaign out of this. We'll even have an, an address to the, the American people. Uh, I'll use the Oval Office instead of the TV set, the, the movie set that they use sometimes. It's only a win politically. Worst case scenario, you don't get formula any quicker, but at least it looks like you tried. You were responsive to the needs of people without gaslighting them for once. Instead of this, like, he talked about the economy two days ago in, in, in inflation and talked about, like, some some uh, incentives for energy companies and solar discounts. It's like, it's they're unserious about that other stuff. This would be a real aggressive move. Right. And they've already educated the American people on how they're using the Defense Production Act. Trump couldn't figure it out because he screwed up the coronavirus. I, I'm sure they won't do it. <clears throat> but not. I mean, I mean, this idea. I mean, we broadcasted this out to Kerry's idea out to Connecticut. There's no doubt that somebody went to Blumenthal's office, Connecticut office, and said, "Hey, do you know on the radio, some a young woman just called and mentioned this would be a good idea. Maybe we should advocate make, for. <laughs> yes, maybe we should hold on to the suburban housewives that we have with educations that, that we, we have. haven't already lost with right. our idiotic." critical race theory and gender ideology right. junk i mean it it seems to me that in general let me caveat this by saying that i'm not in general a fan of the government seizing the means of production and demanding mm -hmm. that private companies make certain things right i don't think that that's like a positive way to run your economy and i don't think it will work out in the long run i do think that precedent has now been set with covid and that if you can force companies to make masks or force companies to make whatever, that you can also force companies to make baby formula, especially if your stupid FDA and your stupid economic policies have screwed up the supply chain now so that babies have nothing to eat. So thanks a lot, guys. Like, it's going great, obviously, the Biden economy. And no matter how they try to spin it, it's really incredible what's going on. So we just got the new inflation numbers out today for April. In April, they expected inflation to be 8.1% year over year. It's just about the year anniversary of when Jen Psaki told us inflation was def a, a little high, but was definitely going to be transitory, and so oh, not I, to worry about I thought it. I was hitting a cough button as I sniffed, and this is <laughs> that cough button only works as I snorted on uh, the other microphone. on the radio microphone for the okay, show. Okay, good. About well, that, everybody guys. got to hear oh, you God. snuffling now. Sorry. So. But so inflation was expected to be 8.1% year over year in April. Uh, and that number came out today and it was 8.3%. But obviously that was less than last month, which was 8.5%. So the press tried to spin this as a positive inflation going down. It's recovery. <laughs> it's going. It's recovery. It's, your prices are still up more than 8% from where they were last year. But it's just a teensy bit less up than last month was even though we expected it to be even not as much up as it is incredible incredible and then the same this is um a tweet from jim shuto from cnn yeah he tweeted new u.s inflation took a breather last month for the first time since august <laughs> i don't call 8.3 percent inflation a breather i'm sorry that freaking sucks 
Prices still increased, but at a slower pace than in previous months. CPI was up 8.3% in the 12 months ending in April, a decrease from the 8.5% recorded in March. Several factors are expected to keep prices elevated over the summer. The Ukraine war has put pressure on energy and food prices. Renewed COVID-related lockdowns in China may exacerbate supply chain issues. Economists are uncertain how much pace of inflation can slow down further. The pace of inflation slowing down, I don't know if I would call it slowing down necessarily. I mean, I know the number went down from last month, but it was still higher than economists expected it to be. And it's also, like he mentioned, the lockdowns in China. One thing I'm not seeing anybody talk about that I've heard like buzz about from people I know who work in logistics is that we're about to have a huge dock workers strike in the U.S., in July. Is that true? Yes. Well, that's not great. They strike every time their contract runs out. And right now, the big sticking point in the contract is that we, the U.S., this is according to like people. So I don't, I haven't seen news sources on this, but this is what I've heard people say who work in logistics is that the dock workers, their contract runs out this summer. The negotiations need to happen like in July. They're like working on it now, right? And the U.S. is really far behind other countries when it comes to port automation. Okay. So, like, all the robotics of, like, lifting these containers, moving them places. And so one of the sticking points in the contract is that our ports want to automate more to catch up with the rest of the world. And that that's also going to ease some of the pressure on the supply chain. Because, obviously, if you're doing stuff in a more automated way, it, like, removes some of the labor pressure and stuff. Guess who doesn't want the ports to be more automated? I will say the unions don't want... The unions do not want the ports to be more automated, and this is a big problem, and the Biden administration has so far refused to get involved because they see themselves as being this pro-union, pro-worker presidency, and the workers don't want the automation, but the ports need the automation to like make stuff go, but that means fewer union jobs. So... You know, the Biden administration isn't getting involved in this, which you would think would be like an easy supply chain win for them. But because it's not a union win, they aren't doing anything about it. So that's going to be a problem going into the summer also, which is also going to cause the inflation to continue to be bad. And, you know, I'm not seeing that on the news anywhere right now, which is incredible to me because I feel like that's a really huge story. It is actually, the New York Times wrote about it uh, in March 28th. In a world contending with no end of economic troubles, a fresh source of concern now looms the prospect of a confrontation between union dock workers and their employers at some of the most critical points on earth. The potential conflict centers on negotiations over a new contract for more than 22,000 union workers employed at 29 ports along the west coast of the United States. Nearly three-fourths work at the twin ports of Long Beach, Long Angeles, Los Angeles, mm -hmm. the primary gateway for ships, goods shipped to the United States from Asia, and a locus of problems afflicting the global supply chain. The contract for the International Longshore and Warehouse Union expires at the end of June for those whose livelihoods are tr tied to ports, truckers, logistics companies, or retailers. July 1 marks the beginning of a period of grave uncertainty. <clears throat> mm -hmm. A labor impasse could worsen the floating traffic jams that have kept dozens of ships waiting in the Pacific before they can pull up to the docks. That could aggravate shortages and send already high prices for consumer goods soaring. 
<laughs> it was like bad news. You would think this, <laughs> this would be a bigger Times. story. Some port workers accused the longshoremen of adding to the chaos at the points in the lead up to their contract negotiations, boosting their leverage with the terminal operators while stymieing the flow of cargo for everyone else. Typical union thuggery, yes. Every time there's a contract up. They think- gave us the weekend, Tom. Every time there's a contract up, things slow down, said Anthony Chilton, 55, who drives a truck hauling containers between the ports and warehouses of Southern California. We always blame the longshoremen. They slack off, take breaks, call in sick. Among those who work on the docks, such depictions uh, fuel grievous resentment. The longshoremen say they have no (laughs) attention. I like this writer. No intention of slowing or halting work, of course they won't. That is at once economically vital, physically exhausting, and dangerous. Work they have pursued uninterrupted. Maybe they should let the robots do some of it then. (laughs) When everybody else was shutting down, we didn't stop, said Uh Jesse Lopez, the secretary and treasurer of ULWU Local 13. We knew that the American people needed their products. You can just hear somebody at Boston accent saying this. Even in choir times, with ports consumed by traffic and Americans bemoaning inflation, the longshoremen grasp that their not leverage may be uniquely potent. Yes, I bet they do. Just like the teachers' unions grasped yep. that their leverage was uniquely potent a year ago. Thanks, Biden. An impasse or strike could deal another shock to the global economy, just as the world is grappling with the impacts of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and China, uh, and as China imposes new COVID restrictions on industry. Uh, uh, now he's kissing ass a little bit to the union. Uh, Others in the industry cite history as a cautionary tale. The last time the union's contract expired in 2014, the result was pronounced turmoil on the ports. This time, odds for a deal without drama are 50-50, declared Jim McKenna, chief executive of the Pacific Maritime Association, which represents the shipping terminals in talks with the unions. <coughs> the, fat, the last four contracts ended up in some sort of disruption, he said. Major retailers that import products from Asia have been ordering extra goods as a hedge against a breakdown in contract talks. Imagine being a retailer and having to know this. I know. Uh, while stockpiling their way, their wares at newly developed storage yards inside the ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles. Walmart alone has room for 4,000 shipping containers in this area. There are concerns that if there's a strike, they are not going to have access to their cargo. Yeah, it's really bad because all these companies are going to be stuck not knowing when they're going to have things to sell customers that they've ordered months and months ago and like planned for and maybe have like TV ads going out or catalogs going out, all these things, right? It absolutely impacts these companies hugely. And like uh, it, the, the ripple effect through the economy, like, yeah, it's going to impact prices. It's going to impact the supply chain stuff more. It, it just... It's just one thing piled on another here. And there is no end in sight. This is not... All of this pressure is going to keep hitting the economy. And people are going to keep struggling to buy stuff that they need. Food, like, it's... The formula thing is one thing. What's going to happen? I mean, because it the formula thing is one thing, not because I don't care about it, but because I do care about it. And I think it's crazy, but it's not getting as much attention because nobody cares about babies and families. And that's just like the truth in America is that there is a ton of people who are just who 
think that I mean like if you look through the comments if you search on Twitter like formula and abortion those two terms together there's a bunch of people who are like see we need abortion there's a formula shortage <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. psychotic people who do not care about babies and would rather they were all dead like I'm serious but so people don't care about babies but like what's gonna happen when it's food food like for human for right. adult human beings who who aren't going to be able to eat because that's coming and if they think that like the housing price stuff like all this stuff is coming this is just a snowball that keeps snowballing the prices are going to keep hurting people eight percent inflation is not sustainable and the longer it goes on the worse this gets right, right. because think about it if you make whatever salary you make most people don't get an eight percent raise every year most people don't even get a, a a 5% raise every year. Companies are doing like 4 3% raises typically. That's what they do in a typical year. And like they're going, to, you know, it's time for people to turn around and say to their employer, like, look, like if I don't get an 8% raise, you gave me a pay cut this year. Except it's mm. worse than that because the pay cut is continuously happening throughout the year. So if your company gives out a raise once a year, you're like taking a pay cut all year from what you made at the beginning of the year because the inflation just keeps going up, right? Like your paycheck is worth less in June than it was in January. Um, That's like... The, but, by, and by the way, in related story, I was just at the grocery freezer, as you know, with the horse's mm -hmm. tail and um, the pasta section is almost totally wiped out. The, the whole grocery store is ridiculous. Like, I don't know what people think we're going to do. This stuff from COVID, like the... The grocery store got weird in March of 2020 and hasn't recovered. No. No, it hasn't. The dock workers are some of the best compensated blue-collar workers in America, in American industry. So-called Class A longshoremen have pensions and benefits along with guaranteed hours, routinely earn more than $100,000 a year, even casual. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, workers, those guaranteed no shifts begin at more than 32 bucks an hour. You get in here, you're not going to want to go anywhere else, Mr. Lopez, the local 13 <laughs> officer, said as hundreds, I like him, of workers gathered before dawn inside a union hall near the port of Long Beach on a recent morning, waiting to select their daily assignments. You're going to get every check Friday because there's work. You're going to check it every Friday because there's work. His father labeled on the docks until the mid-1990s uh -huh. when he suffered a heart attack while he was climbing a crane, falling more than 50 feet. Uh-oh, that'll... Sorry, I'll, I'll stop the accent now. Mr. Lopez inherited his father's union slot in the 27 years since. His wages have allowed him to buy a three-bedroom house in his, with a Wow, swimming. are union slots 
hereditary. I didn't apparently, know that. Apparently, Jeez. his uh, his his wages have allowed him to buy a three bedroom house with a swimming pool where he raises dollars. I'm able to take care of my family," said Mr. Lopez. This is written really well, Alice. Maybe I'll take a second <laughs> look at the New York Times. He and his fellow longshoremen make no apologies for their pay. The fruits of maintaining la- maintaining labor solidarity in an era of declining un- union power, they assert. That their comfortable earnings stand out as exceptional says less about them and more about the comprehensive downgrading of much of the American workforce. No, And you're saying that they don't want to automate, Alice, huh? No, they don't. And we're, like I say, we lag behind other places in the world. Like China's listen ports are more automated, people. but we're being listen, run by the longshoremen's listen union, to, so oh, our good. country can't have automation. Let's get back to Lopez. <laughs> they also portray their pay as due to recompense for the hazards of their jobs. You would think they would want the robots to. You don't get hurt down here, Mr. Lopez says. You get killed. Twice he has watched coworkers crushed to death by containers, he said. <laughs> Stop. More times terrible. Than he, more times than he can recall. He's had to knock on the doors of a fallen dock workers uh, standing next like to their partners when- and children to let them know that their loved one is not coming home tonight. Is this like when the military has to go to a Gold Star family's home? Except it's more... It's Worse. Uh, so you would think they would want the robots to take over then, right? So that nobody has to do this dangerous, terrible job anymore, right? <sighs> well, there you go. Good. Okay. So the world's ending this summer. You were right to store up on food two years ago, Alice. <laughs> Thanks, honey. I like being right. Um, Remember I had hand sanitizer, too, when no one had hand sanitizer? Yep. Because it was like late February and I was buying all this stuff and the kids thought I was nuts. I was in Market Basket with like a full cart of canned goods and the kids were like, why are we doing this again? Why are you so weird? <laughs> and then, yeah, turned out I wasn't so weird after. Well, I was weird, but the world turned out to be weird, I guess. Um, so can I ask you, Alice, where are you on this? I do think that... Uh, uh, it was not correct to ban Donald Trump. I think that was that was a mistake um, because it uh, it alienated a large part of the country and did not ultimately result in Donald Trump not having a voice. He is now going to be on Truth Social, um, as will uh, a large part of the sort of the the right in the in the United States. I would reverse the Homa ban. I will say I'm not. I don't own Twitter yet, so this is not like a thing that will definitely happen. Because what if I don't own Twitter? Um, but my opinion, and Jack Dorsey, I want to be clear, shares this opinion, uh, is that we should not have Homa bans. Elon Musk possesses the tech geek version of the lovable, lovable charming stammer that Hugh Grant has. I guess so. I guess so. So I think it's interesting you bring up Elon Musk. I do. Um, I'm still excited for him. I I mean, I hope that the Twitter thing, the deal holds up as that he goes through. He has to do like his due diligence part and whatever. Mm-hmm. He basically it's the equivalent of like in a home sale, having the signed purchase and sale, basically. Like there's still some stuff that's going to happen, but like it's. I think it's going to cost him a billion dollars to back out either him or right. Twitter so or something. So so not much. <laughs> so, I mean, I would say that that's a solid amount of money. But anyway, so it is interesting that you bring it up, though, because I think that Musk's 
driving force with this really is as simple as what he says. Like, I don't think it's a plot or anything. Like, I think he just is really into free speech. And it was funny because last week, and we didn't really get to this last week, it wasn't a huge or important story, but the New York Times did what I think was attempting to be like a hit piece on Elon Musk. Um, and about how he was like in apartheid in South Africa uh-huh. and all this stuff. And, you know, which is sort of an easy one to do because he's super rich and he did live in apartheid and all this stuff. But actually, like, if you read the piece closely, I thought it provided some insight into why he is the way he is about free speech. And it was funny because, like, the New York Times piece, like, the writer of the New York Times piece, the two writers, I guess, John Elegon and Lindsay Chutel, were, like, so close to like getting the point and didn't quite make it there or like didn't want to say it in the piece. But listen to this. Elon Musk left a South Africa that was rife with misinformation and white privilege. The apartheid era created all white enclaves. Well, actually, I'm scoffing because I'm so sick of used to hearing white privilege, but it was there. I would say South Africa and apartheid did have white privilege. The apartheid era created all white enclaves littered with anti-black government propaganda and sheltered from the atrocities of apartheid. Elon Musk's impending takeover of Twitter has many people probing his public statements and his past for clues about how he will shape one of the world's most influential public platforms. But Mr. Musk, best known for owning Tesla and SpaceX, has not talked much in public about a significant swath of his past. Mm. How growing up as a white person under the racist apartheid system in South Africa may have shaped him. Interviews with relatives and former classmates reveal an upbringing in elite, segregated white communities that were littered with anti-black government propaganda <laughs> and detached from the atrocities that white political leaders I, I love inflicted how it's on the black majority. Putting, I love how this is written because they're putting him adjacent to these atrocities. Right, when he was like a kid, Well, the they're putting him adjacent. He grew up among this. You know, he grew up with this swirling around. They can't connect him to it, but they can put him near it. Right. We were really clueless as white South African teenagers. Really clueless, said Melanie Cherry, a classmate of Mr. Musk's during the two years he spent at Bryanston High School in the suburbs of Johannesburg, where black people were rarely seen other than in service of white families living in palatial homes. Mr. Musk left South Africa shortly after graduation at seven. By the way, they needed them to be to be full segregation, weren't allowed. But unfortunately, that wasn't true. So, like, so black people were rarely seen just... Mr. Musk left South Africa shortly after graduation at 17 to go to college in Canada, barely ever looking back. He did not respond to emails requesting comment about his childhood. Mr. Musk has heralded his purchase of Twitter as a victory for free speech, having criticized the platform for removing posts and banning users. It is unclear what role his childhood, coming up in a time and place in which there was hardly a free exchange of ideas, and where government misinformation was used to demonize black South Africans, may have played in that decision. Classmates (laughs) at two high schools he attended... Described him as a loner with no close friends. None offered recollections of things he said or did about his views on politics at the time. But black schoolmates recall that he spent time with black friends. Oh, (laughs) that is inconvenient for this piece. 
Are you sure you recall this? Oh yeah, we recall it. Yeah, yeah. They interviewed the white people are like, we had no idea about black people, and then they interviewed some black people. White people were like, well, he was a loner, and the the reporters like, oh yes, here we go, here we go. And then they're like, we did find some black people that said he spent time with black people, but we can't. Like, time abusing black people? No, no, he was cool. Hmm. And then his father offered a description of their lives that underscored how removed they were from the country's violent reality. They got along with black people, he said, pointing to his children's good relationship with their domestic staff and described life in South Africa during apartheid as being mostly better and safer than it is now. So they've got his father saying it was safer then. Yes. Mm-hmm. But... He misses it. But... um. Elon Musk, a biography of Elon Musk written by Ashley Vance, in that biography, Musk said he did not want to partake in South Africa's mandatory military service because it would have forced him to participate in the apartheid, and that contributed to his decision to leave South Africa right after high school graduation. And so it goes on, it talks about all these people, and he says, um, you know, that that he, that they interview a bunch of white people who are like, the majority was so ignorant. We had no idea. There was so much misinformation. Um, and then Mr. Musk became friends with a cousin of Mr. Natsashuka's. This is a black person that they're interviewing, Asher Mashudu, according to Mr. Mashudu's brother. One time at lunch, a white student used an anti-black slur and Mr. Musk chided the student and then got bullied for doing so. Uh, the friend was killed in a car accident in 1987, and Mr. Musk was only one of a handful of white people who attended the funeral in the family's rural village. It was unheard of during that time, he said. So, um, then his father said his family did not buy into the negative propaganda, and some of the, um, and that they were concerned about um, the apartheid, and that he believes the apartheid taught his son not to discriminate. And then they say that there's like claims against tesla and all this stuff Mm. but basically like if you go through the whole article it pretty much seems to me that um that elon musk's views of free speech were influenced by this because he was governed by a system of government misinformation where he was prevented from actually seeing black people and knowing the truth about what was going on in his country and then he was a person that didn't buy into the regime and that that is part of why he doesn't like government control of free speech right i mean that would seem to me to be the logical conclusion from reading this but it's they're like trying to make some other thing about it because on the left nowadays it's they think that like free speech means the right to be racist or something so they think that like Elon Musk's version of free speech is misinformation they've used like misinformation 75 times about South Africa how he was exposed to misinformation in South Africa or whatever and that that shaped his views no what shaped his views was the government controlling what he was allowed to know as a kid at a time when he clearly didn't buy into what the government was telling him to believe about black people and the other people around him I don't know like I say this article is a week old but I just thought it was like an incredible an incredible yeah, no. miss by the New York Times of like not getting it. Like you write this whole article and you interview black people who say that Elon Musk liked black people and hung out with black people at a time when nobody did. When that wasn't the conventional wisdom, when that was like against well, the truth. And like I find it so interesting that like they can't 
quite make the next step to the conclusion that maybe that has something to do with his views on free speech. Right. Well, a couple of things on that. One, the reporters, anyway, followed the story to where it led. Right. Despite the framing that the paper wanted. The paper had a story in mind, and it didn't pan out. Mm -hmm. Now, you're right. They could have actually had gone with a different story that was backed up by the facts. Yeah, they and could the have evidence. re-examined their framing. Exactly. But they're, but the facts gonna, showed up in the right. story, and it tells a different story than the one they wanted to frame, clearly, which is so interesting to me, because it's like they almost got there. They're so close. But oh, yeah. the Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. If you um, I also wanted to... Uh, circle back as it were to Kathy Barnett because I talked about Kathy Barnett yesterday um and how like this race was out of nowhere this like nobody jumped up in the Senate race and all of a sudden she's like huge this manga woman who's like a veteran and a product of rape and all this stuff and like whatever her whole life story and all of it, she's like blown up so as it turns out uh, maybe it was the burn barrel bump that did it. I don't know. But she's garnered some attention now because mm-hmm. the polling has shown her to really be like in the mix for this Senate seat. And now all the knives are out for Kathy Barnett. And I mean, I don't I don't know. I learned about Kathy Barnett yesterday, so I'm not like an expert in her life mm-hmm. story. And sometimes when people, like, haven't really been examined, haven't really been vetted, they turn out to be nuts. Like, a few years ago, I'm a big Paul Ryan fan, but I did like the guy who was, like, running against Paul Ryan in, uh, I guess that was 2016, right? Like, he had the motorcycle and the whole thing, and he was, like, very MAGA or whatever. But then he flipped the switch and became an actual literal Nazi. So that's, like, that is no good. Right. You know, like sometimes people turn out to be crazy upon further examination. So you can't like stick by it. But, you know, you're just going by what you see. So anyway, it's been like an absolute mess today on Twitter. Like all kinds of people are coming for this woman, Kathy Barnett. Rick Grinnell, who's obviously a big Trump ally and who I generally like. We like him. Why do we like him? Uh, Because he follows you on Twitter. Correct. Okay. Uh, Rick Grinnell uh, has been after her all day, saying she supports Black Lives Matter. She's not MAGA. He posted a YouTube clip from a channel that was created today of a bunch of short clips of her saying stuff about, like, about, you know, black, about white privilege or whatever. Meanwhile, he's supporting Dr. Oz, who literally has come out with whole commercials about, like, white privilege in medicine or whatever like last year but anyway so but it's interesting because like then you go looking for the context of the clips that he's posting and it's like not what he's saying at all first of all she was impacted like I think many people were impacted by the video of George Floyd like we were shocked by that video too I if you're a person who did not find the George Floyd video shocking I like want to talk to you because I I don't I think that that was like pretty shocking video wherever you're sitting, right? But that well, was shocking that a man died. Well, yeah, because it was a snuff film of somebody being murdered. Yeah, I mean, like, no, I don't know if I'd go there. But I'm, it, well, somebody dying on camera. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want to call it? It's pretty like dramatic. There's a little context, but it, yeah, like sure, I said, there's it was, context, I don't think it was but it's like, but, but I get you. It's 
I don't think it had to do with racism, but I think that whatever. Anyway, so it's like clips of her talking about that video or clips about, you know, he he found a tweet of hers where she tweeted something black lives, hashtag black lives matter, hashtag defund the police. But then if you click on the video of her that's in that link, she's talking about the rise in crime killing black people. And she's saying like defund Mm. the police is causing black people to die. And like, why don't those black lives matter is like what she's actually saying in the video. So the reason she has the hashtags black lives matter and defund the police on there is not that she wants to defund the police is because she's commenting about the defund the police movement. So dirty politics are fun. So, but Rick Grinnell's all over it. Now, um, a bunch of people are questioning her military service. Like I said yesterday, she's a veteran and this all went on. Um, and now, I mean, this is like happening live right now, but she right. came well, out with her military we'll, records. Uh, we'll keep tabs on it. How about that? I am ready okay. to move on from this You're lady. Done Thank with you. That? I am done with her. I just think it's interesting that well, everybody we'll, like jumped we'll on we'll her. We'll revisit it tomorrow. The, yeah, the knives are out today. We'll revisit it tomorrow. I can't I come. I'm. Why do you hate Kathy Barnett? I like Kathy Barnett. Well, <laughs> she's uh, Black Lives Matter. My she's friend Rick, not. Rick, Rick, Rick Grinnell got no, to me, called me Kurt today. Kurt Schlichter says her military uh, service is legit. So I am going. I'm I like him too. He might follow okay. me too. I'm going to 860. I'm going to go to uh, the chat chat. Okay. I'm just play a few here, right? Okay. All right. Are you ready, Alice? Let's go. Oh, nice. Uh, I just heard some celebrity news that Andy Dick uh, sexually assaulted a homeless guy. All right. I knew this guy was an idiot and whatnot, but come on here. This is unbelievable. Jeez Louise. Uh, I hadn't heard that, but he is nuts and always has been. I. Uh... He's a little crazy. I know that John Lovitz hated him. So, so if anybody to John Lovitz hates, I hate too because that class of SNL is my people. Andy Dick, co-host, news radio, Joe Rogan, Alice. I don't know anything about this. I is this just revenge because I got off of Kathy, whatever <laughs> her name is? I'm gonna put my head on my microphone like you did a second ago while I was <sighs> talking. That's hey, really, Tom, you know. I was wondering if you've seen that Jerry Callahan posted his top 10 favorite black people on Twitter. All right. Bye. Did he really? I have no clue. I have not seen it. I'll check it out today. I'll check it out today. I don't know what, Jer- what Jerry's up to. Let's see. Hey, Tom and Alice, I was wondering what were the odds of Rosalind starting her own podcast? <laughs> no. No, Rosalind's not starting her own pro- podcast. Uh, let's see. Okay. Ready, Alice? Okay. Hi, Tom and Alice. Hey. This is Steve from Merrimack. I recently upped my contribution to you guys per month from $5 to $15 because I love the show. Thank you so uh, much. Wait for it, Alice. Let's see. Hold on, Steve from Merrimack. Forward to it every day. However, that was before the advent of the Mother Road era of the show, (laughs) which I find horrible. What? That guy sucks. And if he doesn't disappear, I'm seriously thinking of switching back to five. Frig! Thank you. Wait a second. So, uh, that old mother road. What guy is he talking about? Is he talking about me? I mean, the, the me talking about the mother road? Is he talking about the great Michael Wallace of the mother road? I'm not sure. Y'all have to ask Steve from Merrimack. I don't know. The old mother road era. I'm going to have to find out what exactly you're talking about, Steve. Mike Maybe he means Roslyn? I don't know because that would be. I mean, we have gotten complaints about the chat chat, so maybe it's that. 
I don't know. Steve, mm. I'm going to need to... Uh, Further clarification. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm on to the Catskills now, Steve. Just so you know, I'm on to the Borscht He's done belt. with the Mother Road. I'm on to the Borscht And then belt. the Catskills. Right, right. But I always have a place for the There's old Mother a, Road. Uh, Was, you know what the old Mother Road's full of, Alice? What? Cafes and restaurants. Yeah. Did you know, by the way, that they're going to do a sequel to Dirty Dancing? No. And Jennifer Grey's involved in it and is going to be in it? I, I tomorrow let's talk about and they're this. in talks with Patrick Swayze's estate to somehow incorporate. Oh, him. good! Oh, good! <laughs> I remember going to that movie at the Winchester's, the show, the, the Woburn Showcase Cinemas, and I was with I was the tag along fat mm-hmm. geek with my friends who all had like girlfriends, and one of the girls said, "Oh, I feel sick. Where's Tom so I can puke on him?" I thought you. That that is what dirty dancing is to me. So I don't I don't need <laughs> nobody sits baby in a corner. Me to me, I have tracked this girl's life since then. Thankfully, her life has taken a swan dive, and she, I believe, is living. Wow, in squalor. that's like a lot of hatred. Oh yeah, that was 1987. Showcase Cinemas in Woburn. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget Lori. I remember your name. <laughs> See her on Facebook. Maybe just get over. I'm stuff. not getting over it. Okay. Not getting over it ever again. Also, that's that. The, 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 you don't get to push. Uh, so maybe your upset, your new obsession with the Catskills. There's more to it than first appeared. Ooh. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Let us know what you think about stuff. If you love the chat chat, if you hate it, if you love the Mother Road or hate it, or the leave Catskills. messages, guys, on there. I, 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 you don't have to leave messages because you got lives and things to do. But I do love messages. Justin leaves a lot of messages on there, and I love that he's doing it. He's creating characters, but we can't just play all of Justin's stuff all the time. Uh, but but um, but duly, I do think it's cool that you guys that you guys do that, and we almost never preview them, so I don't know what's coming. So you can say anything or ask anything. Seriously, you know, whatever. We're cool. Yep. And if you're not, you can talk that- about Alice's candidate from Georgia that she's so interested in. It's not Georgia. It's Pennsylvania. This is a big news story. I can't believe you don't care about this. This is all anyone on Twitter is talking about. I discovered Erin Lee today, Alice. Erin Lee, who we played here before. Okay. Well, maybe she'll be on Tucker tonight. I wait with baby I discovered breath. her okay. and gave her to Tucker's producer, who, want to tell people a little bit about the situation? Now follows me on Twitter. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. He does. He follows. Why did you steal him? <laughs> Stay in your own freaking lane. He's mine, Alice. I told you about him to no, start with. No, he was my guy. Why I told you, you about to him. Mess- you had never heard of him he until said, I matter. showed him to you. He messaged me. We messaged each other. We talked, Alice. Okay. He Don't followed me back. Un- no, delete your account. <laughs> anyway, you can follow the show on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pond. He's at Tom Shonick. I'm at Alice Shonick. Or we're at Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast or write us an email Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.